0: Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week
2: It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the
1: races, and he stays on his feet. going to go the distance.
2: Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath.
0: Top five week coming to a conclusion on this Friday morning. Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy Football Today. It is time to talk about the top five tight ends in the consensus rankings. Can you guess who tight end one is? I'm Adam Azer. I got Chris Towers and Dan Schneier joining me today. Yesterday we recorded a Beyond the Box score episode. You will hear that. You can watch it now on YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday, or you can hear it on Saturday. It will drop on Saturday. Also, there will be a Tuesday, July 4th Dynasty episode, so get excited about that. Uh, Chris, uh, early happy birthday to you on July 4th. I hope you have a very—you're going to take like a big long
1: weekend? Uh, the, the, the way our holiday works out is we have to work Monday yeah, and then we're off Tuesday. It's not ideal. I would, you know, like not, not complaining. I Take love a day, day off, off. but Take like Monday off, you know, I work Sunday through Thursday too. So I got to work two days and then get my day out. It's, no. you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's no big deal. <laughs> When's your birthday, Chris? I didn't even July know. July 4th. It. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's your birthday? Wow. I, I was like 12. birthday. I was like 12 before I realized that the fireworks were not for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, all
0: right. So we got to talk tight ends here. A couple of news items on Offensive Linemen. And I'm going to try to read your Apple Podcast questions. I do appreciate all of the Apple Podcast submissions. The problem is the podcast app is not really working very well. So I can't read them. So I'm trying to read them another way. And I'm working on that. Seeing, hopefully I can... Make that happen before the end of the show. Uh, We'll uh, we'll get into the consensus rankings in a little bit. Let me just ask you this. Chris, you can start. Who is tight end three for you? Uh, Unless there's any crazy shakeup with Kelsey and Andrews, I'm going to assume is one and two.
1: Who's tight end three? Yeah, I thought we were going to start with the controversy at Travis Kelsey, number one. No, uh, (laughs) number three is, I I think, a boring pig. It's TJ Hawkinson for me. And it's, it's kind of, he's the set it and forget it tight end. And there's value in having a guy who is probably going to score like 12 points most weeks, even though I don't think there's a ton of upside there. But I just the the gap between him and the other guys in terms of safety is is what gives him the edge there.
2: Dan, who's tight end three for you? Darren Waller is my tight end three. Should I get into now or are we going to dive into this in the show? No, go ahead. This is the time. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll do the, the basis of the argument now, and I'll get more into the details in a little bit later. But the basis of the argument for me with Darren Waller is, out of all these tight ends that we're looking into, and if I'm going to invest in any of these top five tight ends, I want a difference maker on a weekly basis. I want someone who's going to give me a weekly edge. And I feel that outside of Kelsey and Andrews, even Andrews I'm a little more skeptical about, but there are some good things about, even though there's some target, a little bit more target competition there, there is a chance for a better pass rate there, I think, with Munkin. And I'll get into that why later. But with Waller, this is the best chance you're going to get outside of Kelsey of getting a top target getter on an offense at tight end. Darren Waller's already had two seasons of a thousand plus yards. The Giants have never no receiver on the Giants roster has a thousand yards season under his belt right now. Not one, and, not, and that includes Sterling Shepard, who's been with the team for like six years, but it's never come close to a thousand yards. So I'm looking at a guy who in two seasons before the last two injured seasons, which we know happened, had 90 plus receptions over 1100 yards in each season, 12 touchdowns combined in those two seasons. So I like his upside a lot more than TJ Hawkinson's um, and a lot more than Dallas Goddard, George Kittle and all the guys behind him as well. And you
0: didn't mention the guy that I would have as tight end three. Okay. And that's Kyle Pitts. And oh. Chris,
1: well, I, thought that's, that's that's you thought. I thought that's who you had. I thought that's who you had finally out on. No, Pitt. if you're, I have Pitts For at now. number four and If you're going to make the case for Darren Waller, I feel like I would and this is kind of the opposite of what I usually do, because I kind of usually go against the mystery box versus a boat. I usually just go with the boat. But in this case, we don't actually know what Darren Waller is at this point in his career He's 31 years old. He's missed. Oh, math in my head is not really working right now. He's missed like 17 games over the past two seasons. Four, with
0: 14, 14 games.
1: 14 games yeah. with recurring hamstring issues. No, one was a hamstring. One was a knee. The, the one year okay. was a knee. Even better. Two different <laughs> injuries. Uh, and he's going to be 31 in week two of this season. Ooh. Sell
2: high after week that one. That ends age pretty well, though in the NFL. Um, not to mention, I think there is something to be said about somebody who didn't break onto the scene until later in his career. Obviously, those yeah. probably are well aware now of like his issues off the field with drugs and rehab and things like that. And he was the late breakout in the first place. So there's less tread on the tires there. I'm not really worried at all about the age factor. Maybe the reoccurring injuries, maybe a little bit, but they weren't the same injuries. So I, I kind of feel like this narrative is a little bit overblown to I, me. I,
1: I think it's it's just kind of a lot of different issues, right? It's changing teams. We don't know exactly how he's going to be used. It's that's not a negative, right? I I do think he'll be the number one option on the Giants, but it's an unknown. It's a a relative unknown. Then you have the injury issues. Then you have the age question. And it's just, and also just, he wasn't as good last year. You know, we've seen a steady decline in his play. 75 yards per game in 2021 or 2020, 61 in 2021, 43 last year. It just, it feels like where Adam Thielen was a couple of seasons Ooh. ago. Uh, I don't
2: know about Where,
1: that. like, in 2020, Adam Thielen was still productive, right? 925 yards, 14 touchdowns, was still, I think, a, a high-end wide receiver, two for fantasy. But there were signs, right? the The per-game production had slipped in consecutive years. He had missed a bunch of time. He was going into his age 31 season in 2021, and it was like, yeah, but he's still a solid wide receiver too, right? Still a great opportunity. And it's like, yeah, but once we see the signs of decline and once we see the, the, the injuries for a guy in his 30s, it's just like, it's not a guarantee that things are going to go wrong, but it's just, it's a lot of red flags for me. I, I've got Darren Waller as my tight end six. And I, I think the gap between three and seven is basically non-existent. And I think you can put them in any order. Uh And so it's mostly just upside versus downside risk versus reward. And I I think I go Hawkinson three pits four, which is basically just safety versus upside.
2: I, I like that argument because it is true that as they got you know, as your receivers or tight ends, whatever position you're going to go for is getting older. There's more of a chance of injury, especially with these reoccurring ones. I will say this as far as the yards per game goes and, and the dip in production Devontae Adams entered the picture last year and similar sure. to the Thielen situation, Justin Jefferson entered the picture. There is no Adams. There is no Jefferson on the giants outside of Waller. this is by far and away their best target getter. And he's been so far in OTAs. I mean, that's nothing to, to brag about. It's early, but as that training camp buzz builds, he's been moved all over the formation uses the one in the three by one sets in the backfield. Like they're getting him the football early. Um, so we'll I mean, I, I definitely get the, the concern of the age. I think the target thing is a little bit more, um, I guess different in, in the giant situation now with Waller than it was for Thielen with Jefferson and, and I guess last year Waller with Adams.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think Pitts has just as good of a chance to have a huge target season. I mean, he mm-hmm. was on pace for a hundred targets last year on an offense that barely threw the ball and threw it extremely poorly and actually, you know, you haven't heard the episode yet, but unless you watch it on YouTube, but Jacob Gibbs outlined it yesterday on Beyond the Box score, which we'll publish on Saturday. The situation really could not have been much worse for Kyle Pitts. Marcus Mariota was the most inaccurate deep ball thrower in the NFL last year. Pitts had a very high ADOT. It was a terrible combination. Um, but I think the thing that Chris said, I don't know if we all feel this way, but Chris, I feel exactly the same way. The gap between three and seven at the tight end position is very small. If anyone wants to argue for Waller, for Pitts, for Goddard, for Kittle, or for Hawkinson as tight end three, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I think you should just wait and take close to the last one. I don't see any justification for Hawkinson having an ADP at 41 and Waller having an ADP at 77, Goddard at 71, Pitts at 70, you know, Kittle at 57. I just, the consensus of Hawkinson being tight end three, it doesn't really make sense to me. Like, there should be more. There should be more debate and more division on that.
2: Yes. and they should all be really grouped together. I, I think. I think Chris thinks. Dan, you agree? Completely agree. But we can get into a little bit later. But I have ma- massive reservations about TJ Hawkinson this year.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, he's just. I don't think, especially now that I heard
2: he's 41 (laughs) overall. I did not know that I haven't been following the ADP as closely. There's not a chance in hell I would use the (laughs) 41st pick on TJ Hawkins. But I'm not sure there's
0: a chance in hell I'd use the 41st pick on any of those five tight ends. Right. Yeah.
1: No, I I think the way you do it is you just, you you rank that tier. And if you want one of them, whichever one's left when you pick in the seventh round or sixth round, whatever, like, however, what you want to do that, I think is the way to go because I think. You know, in my projections, I've got a tight end three is 208 points. Tight end seven is 198. They're separated by 10 points. There's a a big gap between Kelsey and everyone else. Obviously, it's like four points per game. And then it's like two points per game between Andrews and everyone else.
0: Maybe Andrews is the one we need to spend a lot of time talking on. You know, is he worth the third round pick? And we will get to that a little bit later. So I'll just tell you a little bit about uh, what's coming up. We have... uh, so next week, you're going to have the Dynasty show on Tuesday, uh, but beginning the week after that, we'll still have the Dynasty show, but you will have five episodes per week of just regular uh, redraft content. We still will have the Dynasty show. It's not going anywhere. It's just might maybe a different day or you know we have other plans, but uh, that Dynasty content will still exist, but we're going to keep ramping up our redraft coverage as well. Um, FFT in five is going strong hosted by Chris tower. So please check that out. If you want a list of all of our podcasts, go to cbsports.com podcasts, a couple of news items here and not insignificant suspensions. Jacksonville left tackle cam Robinson. he's suspended for four games for violating the PED policy. He's their starter and Tennessee offensive tackle. Nicholas Petit Frere is suspended six games for, uh, ooh, what was that? Uh, gambling. Gambling. Okay. Yeah. Good. I didn't want to say something worse than that for the gambling policy. Uh, so that's a Titans offensive lineman starter an offensive tackle, and they already have offensive line issues. Should we change any rankings at all? Chris Towers based on Cam Robinson for the Jaguars out four games. Nicholas Petit Frere out six games for Tennessee.
1: I, I don't think so. You know, obviously the fact that it's the first four games of the season and then you don't know what are the first six games of the season in Petit Frere's uh, case, you don't know what shape they're gonna come back in. It's not a guarantee that they'll, you know, after missing that time, be themselves. But I I think it would be an overreaction to to move anyone down. It's only part part of the season. So I, I think it's okay.
0: Good. Yeah, I don't I think, think we need that- to spend. I don't think we need to spend any more time on this, Dan. Like I'm good. We yep. just do tight ends. Sound good? Okay. okay, yeah, let's do, yeah, let's get to the tight ends. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. The rest of the show will be tight ends. Hopefully some questions at the end. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this.
1: It's Friday
2: afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: All right. Our consensus top five looking at the combination of Jamie, Dave, and Heath's rankings, and none of them are on the show today, so that's great. Uh, the consensus top five is Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts, Goddard. I know that's top four Chris is Chris's. Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson,
1: Pitts. Who's top, who's number five for you, Chris? Uh, Goddard. He's, he's number wow. five. And he's... Goddard's one that, like... If he was the number two option in that offense, I think he'd be the clear number three tight end and maybe the number two. I just... He's been so efficient since getting a larger role in that offense. And he's it seems like there are like three times every game where he's just wide open with nobody within 15 yards of him. It's, it's amazing what they're able to do for him in, in terms of his role in the, in the screen game, his ability to get open downfield. Everything he does in that offense is just really, really valuable. But it's just kind of a math problem. Can you get him to 70 yards per game? I don't think so. I think it's really hard to get there with the... Unless something happens to Devontae Smith or or A.J. Brown and they miss significant time, but we're not hoping for that. And so I I just kind of think where he's at, 60 yards per game, right around 950 to 1,000 yards in, in a full season, that's probably what he is. And also, he's got some... Crazy low target number in the in the red zone over the past two seasons. It's like six red zone targets over the past two seasons or something. I'll look that up and confirm. But I I saw that the other day.
0: And I think if you even took out the Gardner Minshew games, it's probably even worse. Um, But uh, it's it's a weird, quirky, maybe not sustainable stat for Goddard like should, should regress. Uh, Dan, what's your top five? Cause Chris and the consensus are Kelsey Andrews, Hawkinson Pitts, Goddard.
2: Yeah, I have Kelsey Andrews Waller. Then I have Hawkinson and, and then Goddard. Um, I really, I I'll make my case for why I'm really concerned with TJ Hawkinson this year. So TJ Hawkinson, he comes over from the trade, from the lions, uh, and t- from that point until that point, we had pretty much discussed him as a bust, right? He was a top draft pick and top first round draft pick in the NFL. Never really did much after the catch. Never really showed us much as a talent. I know. I remember the two seasons ago where me and Chris were way off on him. We said we couldn't understand his fifth round value and he had that bad year. And then he breaks out with the Vikings. But look at this breakout with the Vikings. Two in two games last year against the same exact team. TJ Hawkinson had 58.8 PPR points that was against the Giants he had in week 16 13 for 109 with two touchdowns in the wild card game he had 10 for 129 16 targets 11 targets besides that he averages 13. PPR points per game here's his stat lines with the Vikings this breakout Vikings nine for taking out the Giants games nine for 70 seven for 45 five for 34. Five for 43 and a touchdown, the only touchdown he had outside of his two-touchdown game against the Giants. Just three touchdowns in this span with the Vikings. Four for 33, six for 67, three for 33, seven for 59, and then you got the two Giants games. I mean, to me, that is just not what I want to invest in, especially after you add Jordan Addison in the first round, who, in my opinion, is going to almost immediately earn better, more targets than T.J. Hawkinson. Within the progression of a read, you are looking for Jordan Addison who can get open immediately before you're looking for TJ Hawkinson. By default, they had to go to TJ Hawkinson last year. Like Chris said, Adam Thielen on his last legs, not running the same good routes, playing hurt, wasn't getting open. Jordan Addison's going to get open. So now I'm even adding to the mix potential loss of these targets that weren't even really there outside of those two Giants games where the Giants play bracket coverage and like triple team Justin Jefferson it just seems to me like we're investing way too much in a guy who's not scoring a lot of touchdowns, maybe losing targets. Didn't even really get that many targets to begin with. If you take out those two giants games, I don't know. I just look at that and I just am scared when I saw the the difference between the giants games and the rest of his games, with the Vikings, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty scary for me.
1: It is funny that like we talk about the breakout for TJ Hawkinson and he averaged more yards per game when he was with the, the lions Lions. than he was with the Vikings. And, that that's, like what, that's you, misleading how, yeah that's like, misleading cuz 179 of his yards he, it th- but this is TJ Hawkinson this is who he's been basically since he stepped foot on the NFL this is this is so indicative week 3 yeah. 18 yards week 4 179 yards week 5 <laughs> 6 I think he might have left week 5 with an injury maybe if I'm remembering correctly but either way like that's been him. Remember, I think his second game in the NFL uh, as a rookie was a, a massive game or his first game, something like that. And then he immediately fell on his face. And he's just been super inconsistent throughout his career. He has these stretches. I I don't think TJ Hawkinson, I, I think he's just a guy probably. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. I mean, he. you
0: look at him over statistically throughout his rookie year, but just over the last season – last three seasons, is pretty consistent in terms of per catch, per target. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's like a solid player, but he doesn't do a lot after the catch. He doesn't mm-hmm. make plays downfield. His explosive catch right. rate, I mean, you look at him, compared—you know, every tight end who has 50 or more catches, he's usually in the middle of the pack, 50 or more targets, excuse me, in the middle of the pack or toward the bottom in explosive catch rate. So that's the thing with Hawkinson. If the targets go down, he's definitely going to be a bust if you're taking him in the 40s. Uh, uh-huh. because he doesn't, doesn't really, so can do, I ask he, you guys yeah, this question kittle, then, you
2: know, can I ask you guys this question? Cause I feel like it's the same conversation we've had here. And you, you know, a lot of fantasy football to discusses this over the past three years, if that's the case, Adam, and I think it is. And, and let's say Jordan Addison doesn't eat that much into his target share, but he eats a little bit into it. like what is the value of drafting these tight ends in the 40s in the 40 to 60 range if they're not giving you a weekly difference like I feel like that's you to get pushed up year after year just because you need a tight end you have to start Mm -hmm. one every year but that only matters if they're giving you a weekly edge and I know uh, Travis Kelsey I love drafting Travis Kelsey I believe in the weekly edge but when we're talking about these guys like Hawkinson, like you said Adam low and explosive rate maybe losing targets even so is not really making that much of a weekly difference averaging 13 PPR points with those two big games against the Giants like to me, that's when you're starting to just see these guys in, have these crazy high ADPs because they play tight end, and that, that's me, that's the thing. That
1: that's what yeah. happens, and and it's it's kind of true at every position, but maybe not wide receiver. But you see it at running back too. You know, we talk about the dead zone, and it's what happens is the high end guys are such difference makers that it tends to there's like an anchor effect for everyone else where the high end guys are such so impactful that you want them and and they make such a difference and and they're worth a first round pick in this case for travis kelsey and then it kind of like well i can't get travis kelsey but mark andrews is a difference maker he's not as much of a difference maker but i can talk and and so he gets pushed up because it's like well if i don't get mark andrews then it's tj and then and then you have mark andrews gets pushed up a little bit and then the next group gets pushed up a little bit because it's like well if i don't take tj hawkinson in the fourth round you know, the rest of those guys might go off in rapid succession. Then I'm in, And then I'm starting Dalton Schultz on the Texans. And, and, that's, and, and, and I think that's what happens is the middle class at tight end consistently gets pushed up. You mentioned TJ Hawkinson a couple years ago when his ADP got really inflated when people were projecting a breakout. That's kind of what happened where it's like, if it goes right, he could be a, a must-start tight end. And I think people, it, it's easy to talk yourself into it in a way that, Probably doesn't actually help you win fantasy games.
2: That's the thing for me because, like, if you're trying to win fantasy football leagues, right? What you're giving up when you take these guys in rounds four to six, you're giving up, and you're not always going to get these guys, right? But you're giving up the opportunity to draft last year's Amon Ross St. Brown. Two mm-hmm. years ago's Cooper Cup. We're going in that exact same round. four I hate to this, round this
1: argument.
0: I,
2: I hate it. I think it's so those guys can win you fantasy. Yeah, league, but you P. know J. what? Jay Hawkinson's not going to win but, but, you a fantasy. But you, league. you, you know don't what? even
1: like, have to. You don't even have to do. You don't even have to go with the Amon Ross St. Brown Cooper Cup right now to draft TJ Hawkins in an NFC league, you're passing on Debo Samuel, like guys in, in the same range. Before Debo you Samuel, even do this. Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper. Like Those yes, guys are going to be bigger difference makers. Of course.
0: Okay, so listen. I think we've established that we think TJ Hawkins' ADP is insane. Uh, and, and I think that any tight end going, any other than Andrews and Kelsey, round four is not the right time to take tight end three. Yes. So... Okay. So what about round five? Maybe. You know, what about round six? Round six, I'm definitely in the game. So, but sure. what my point is, you know, you can make all these cases. Oh, you're passing up these guys. Sure. But if you look at the guys who were drafted in round five last year, well, Damian Harris and Brandon Cooks and Clyde edwards helaire and Alan Robinson and Michael Thomas were drafted in round five last sure. year. So I don't want to just act like... Tight ends are the only positions that are... And that's what we do at the running back dead zone, too. Oh, why are you taking these guys? I'm going to give you the two or three examples of wide receivers who went off when they were drafted in round five. You know what? Every position has busts once you get past the first few rounds. I mean, that's just the nature of it. So I think we can identify clearly that round four for tight end three is a mistake. I personally do not want to take my tight end unless it's Kelsey or Andrews until round six or later. So that would be my next question to you. Quickly, guys, when do you feel comfortable taking tight end three, whether it's Hawkinson for Chris or Waller for Dan?
1: Yeah, it's end of round five, early round six.
2: Yep, you nailed it. I, I I'd prefer round six, but I, I could consider end of round five. Okay. Um, questions then. What was the most difficult decision
0: you
1: had to make when ranking your top five? the order of three through seven, just <laughs> yeah. any uh, I think they're they're there's the gap between any of them is so narrow that it's really just personal preference and and how you want to build your team and and those things. Uh, maybe it's just how high should Travis Kelsey go? Maybe that's the toughest. That was that is tough for me. i keep I keep moving him down.
0: I started out with him one in January. And I know I'm not going lower than six. I, I know that.
2: he's in the top six, but right now I think he's five or six. I love away. the case for one. I won't do it either, <laughs> but I just love the idea of it, Adam. I do, because you're not allowed to take Travis Kelsey first overall, right? But meanwhile, this guy is never missed a game except for COVID in nine years. So he's a supposed injury risk that's not actually an injury risk because he, right. he doesn't block, like really. So he doesn't really take the physical beating that some of these guys take at tight end. I like the idea of Kelsey at one. I haven't done it yet, but I like it. Well, what what do you think? I mean, tight end
0: premium. What's my it's hardest it's thing. No-brainer. My hardest. Yeah. What
2: was your hardest decision? The hardest for me was putting Waller all the way up at three for sure. Um, but I looked at it just like Chris did at three through seven. I just can't find much of different. I can't find much of a difference between these guys and the rankings. And then I'm just looking for upside. I'd like to play fantasy to win first. I'm a big if you're not first, you you're last kind of guy in fantasy. I'm looking to win leagues. I just don't see much league winning p- appeal with any of these tight ends. Outside of Waller, three to seven, except for Pitts, who I don't like the quarterback situation. I think Drake London takes away targets as well. And then Goddard, who I would need an injury to A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith for that breakout to happen. I don't really see it possible with Hawkinson. And uh, uh, Kittle, to me, is just a very bad fantasy risk this year. To me, I don't, I don't like Kittle at all.
1: It's, it, the uh-huh. Kittle thing is funny because now it's, oh, he can score touchdowns. Yes, when it was like we, he, he just can't he's incapable of scoring touchdowns mm-hmm. for years and years and years and now he has this fluky touchdown stretch with Brock Purdy and we're like, cool, George Kittle can score touchdowns again. And it's like I, I think George Kittle is still right there with Travis Kelsey in terms of the best tight ends in the NFL and in, in terms of what he does as a football player. I think he's one yes. B. But it's just the 49ers offense is a is a is a math problem that's hard to solve and we haven't and and it's not just that they have a lot of mouths to feed they got a lot of guys who we haven't seen play together for more than two or three games at a time it's it's such a weird thing about this offense for three years in a row now where we just like what does it look like when Debo Iuke and Kittle are all healthy well we've seen it like what, nine games total? Nine games. We've seen now we three. have McCaffrey
0: in there, too. Yeah. But Five, now we have McCaffrey, McCaffrey, and now we
1: have a new QB that I think they only played three games with, all of them healthy, plus Elijah Mitchell, if you want to get into the RB. Like, it's just, it's such a difficult thing to project.
0: Yeah, I do have a lot to say about Kittle. I will save it, though, because okay. I, my, my basic summary on Kittle is that George Kittle is unfairly compared to... The George Kittle of you know his thirteen hundred yard followed by like eleven hundred yard season whatever that mm-hmm. was yeah. whereas we don't really compare him to the other tight ends anymore we just see so he's that he's not nearly as good as he used to be mm-hmm. but he's still like <laughs> you know he, he had a pay, if you just look at his games with Garoppolo actually his games with Purdy he was on pace for like eight hundred and fifty yards or something like mm-hmm. that I think there were two tight ends that had eight hundred and fifty yards last year so I think we unfairly criticize Kittle he's not what he used to be but he still has not finished, I guess I'm saying everything I have to say about Kittle, five straight seasons, yes. he has been a top three tight end per game in PPR and top four per game in non-PPR. So I know it's not as pretty and it's extremely inconsistent, extremely inconsistent, mm-hmm. but he still puts up good numbers. He just, he's never going to be what he used to be. All right, we'll get hit in a little bit later. My next question for you, which top five tight end has the widest range of outcomes Um I Kelsey's not going to like Kelsey's not really part of this discussion, Uh, but which
2: top
1: five tight end has the widest range of outcomes. Pitts is the only answer unless like Dan, you don't rank Pitts in the top five. Yeah.
2: I don't rank, I would have obviously said Pitts if he was in my top five, but Pitts is just outside my top five. So for me, it's Darren Waller who's made my top five, for sure. I mean, you could see a situation where the Giants continue to do what they did from the second half of the season, which is a pass-first offense, or you could see them go back to the run game, and then Darren Waller's in like an Atlanta Falcons-type situation where, yes, he's getting a lot of targets, but the team's not really moving the ball through the air, so that's a problem. So I can see it going a lot of different directions there. Which top? I'll say
0: top seven tight end has the most upside other than Travis Kelsey? It's got to be Pitts, right? Does it? What about Andrews?
1: Yeah, that's, that's the tough thing because mm-hmm. Andrews is the only one who's finished ahead of Travis Kelsey before. Um, yeah. So it's hard to argue that anyone has more upside than 107 catches, 1,400 yards, and nine touchdowns.
2: The uh, thing with Andrews that that scares me, though, is this is really the most target competition he's had by a yeah. wide margin at any point in his career. That's really what gets me. And also, there's something Dave pointed out that I'm trying to find now that I thought was really interesting with with Mark. Andrews. So here he goes, including 2012, where obviously, you know, he dealt with some injuries and Lamar wasn't playing. 2012, he averages 12.7, 2000 or sorry, 2022. We didn't go back in time 10 years this time. Not just yet. Um, but he averaged 12.7 between 12.7 and 15.4 points per game. And then obviously added 17.2 points per game in his breakout 2021, but he really only had that one breakout year. So I thought that was just interesting when we're thinking about taking this guy, you know, between 30 and 40 overall again, like is there, if he's really only averaging 15 fantasy under 15 fantasy points per game, is there value in that?
0: That's a lot of points by the way, for a tight end. I mean, in PPR, not, not for a tight many, end for sure. Of course, for a tight not end, not yeah. many tight ends. Average fifteen points per game. You might get two, three, but he's never done that outside of twenty twenty. No, no, yeah, but he has done that in spurts, and then Lamar Jackson gets hurt and stuff like that. Like last year, I think if you look at what Mark Andrews did at the beginning of before his injury, yeah, that's the thing. He was absolutely worth a third round pick, you know. So, and and then you have the question of the target competition. I am pretty unimpressed by the Ravens wide receivers. Okay. I, I could see that going different ways. Maybe Zay Flowers has a great year. Maybe Beckham's worth the $15 million they paid him. I don't really think he has huge target competition. I mean, I I do understand it's it's more than what he has had before. I agree with that. But I don't know.
1: If he's I, I, as good as I think he is, he still leads that team in targets. I, I think the way to look at it is not necessarily that it's for sure harder target competition as much as it is an unknown. Again, it's it's a new offensive coordinator... It's more players around him. I don't target competition is a tough thing because players earn targets, right? And like if you have Mark Andrews open, you're gonna throw it to him. You know, that that's kind of how the thing works. It's oversimplifying, but it's it's largely how it works. Target share tends to stay pretty steady across quarterbacks and and team changes for high-end wide receivers, at least. So I'm not too worried about the target share. I I did ding him a, a point or two in my projections, but He's still, I think, a clear second among tight ends in, in my projections for target share.
2: The only thing I'll say regards to Andrews on the target share front is I do feel like just from watching the Ravens tape over these last few years, in that offense with Greg Roman, there were a lot of first reads for Mark Andrews. It was obviously a more condensed offense. It was heavier personnel packages. They didn't have a ton of speed on the field, and they weren't really going through, like, I don't want to say they weren't going through full progressions. With Marquise Brown, they kind of, went through a different kind of system there, but a lot of it was funneled through Mark Andrews system schematically. Am I definitely getting that from Todd Munkin or am I getting more of an 11 personnel? You know, you might be Odell Beckham might be the first read on this play. Zay flowers might be the first read on this play. I don't know. It's an unknown. And that scares me a little bit with the target volume there for Andrews.
1: But my, my, my my response to that would be, yeah, there are probably a lot of times in Deandre Hopkins offenses where he's schematically the first read. And it's like, that's what you do, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know for sure that Mark Andrews is a Travis Kelsey-level player where you scheme your whole offense around him, but we've seen an elite offense schemed around Mark Andrews before yeah. in, in a high-volume, in a high-target-share role. So I don't know if that's necessarily a Greg Roman thing. You know, it was Charles Clay the number one target in in Buffalo when, when Greg Roman was the, right. the top guy, or is it just... That's what you do when you have Mark Andrews, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so yep. I my philosophy on Andrews is I draft him when the sort of sure things are off the board. So mm-hmm. I think like the, the trio of Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, I'll take them before Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. It gets difficult for me when you talk about a guy like Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, yeah. those types of players. So when you start feeling like a little uncertain to me in round three... Little uncertain about who you're taking. Okay, now we've reached the point where the where the guys I feel like are definitely gonna be must starts week after week are off the board. I think that's a great time to take Mark Andrews. Tough call is, is if you have like an early pick and you're early in the third round and some of those guys are still on the board and and you know you have no chance of getting Andrews in the fourth round. You know, do you pull the trigger? I think it's justifiable. But I'm mid round three on Andrews. I'm basically at his ADP.
1: Yeah, in, in NFC drafts, he's sandwiched between Travis Etienne and Kenneth Walker. I think that's a perfect distillation of what you just said.
0: Yeah. Um okay, so how about oh, just just all right, one word answer. Who do we think has more upside, Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts?
2: Kyle Pitts could be anything. No, it's got to be Mark Andrews.
0: I agree. It has Andrews. to be. It
2: has to be. They're just not passing the ball. One word. I said one What's, word. I said What's yeah. One chance word. of them throwing one word. More than- one word. One word. One word. Mark, Mark Andrews. One <laughs> word. He said one word. Mark Andrews. All right, that's two words, but I will not penalize you.
0: Which <laughs> top seven tight end has the most downside? It's Kyle Pitts.
1: Yeah, Pitts. I
2: feel
0: like Kyle it, I feel like it might be Waller.
1: They're so uh, that, similar. Think, yeah. They're so similar to me. It could just be. Well, Waller, I think, has less performance risk. Unless he, but he's also old enough where it could just, the wheels could completely fall off.
2: He looked good last year when I saw him on tape with the Raiders. He looked very good.
0: I agree. I mean, I didn't watch that much tape, but I watched a little and I thought he looked good. And, And, you know, his per game averages, Chris, you mentioned Darren Waller per game. He played like four snaps of one game and had zero yards. So if you took that game out, it's only like five more yards per game. But after he came back from the injury, he wasn't playing his full snap shares. He still absolutely abused a linebacker on a touchdown. I think he abused a cornerback on a touchdown later in the year. He definitely made some plays that most tight ends are not making. But, you know, look, I mean, he's got Daniel Jones. There's a lot of downside there, but there's also a lot of potential there.
2: (laughs) I I feel so similarly about Pitts and Waller this year. Sure. Yeah. One guy doesn't have Drake London bothering him for targets. That's all, that's all I'm it's, saying. That's
1: fair, but the Giants do have 14 small wide yes. receivers who, if they all stack on each other's shoulders, could be Drake London. <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, we are going to take a break. And, you know, what? for the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver shows, we had the case for number one. We're definitely not doing that segment. There's only one tight end has yeah. the case for number one this year, I think. But maybe we could do the case for number two. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: All right, the case to be tight end two. How many tight ends do you think could be tight end two? Obviously, we think at least five of them could be tight end three. How many do you think could be tight end two this year? I think anyone from,
2: I have three guys.
1: I would say anyone through number seven on my rankings for sure. And maybe Pat Fryermuth.
2: Ooh, I like Fryermuth.
1: Whose name a lot. we haven't said yet. I don't think anyone else really has a path to number two, but I think any of those, what, eight guys, seven guys
2: could get there. As much as I like Fryermouth as a talent, he also needs to be put in that Pitts Waller bucket of. What the hell is ha- what the hell do we have at quarterback here? Kenny Pickett threw like ten touchdowns last year in fourteen games. You're being <laughs> extremely generous to Kenny Pickett. That, that is right. you
1: just oversold his amount of touchdowns by forty four percent.
0: Oh my god, he had
1: seven touchdowns <laughs> last oh, season, sir. God, well, I they had it, they dude. had
0: uh, two quarterbacks last year. I think they threw eleven touchdowns on the season. Twelve.
1: Oh. Yes, the
0: the team as a
1: whole threw twelve. And they're bringing back the same offensive coordinator. How is that possible? Yeah. I... I I think there's a decent chance that we want nobody in that Steelers offense.
2: This reminds me so much of the 2021 giant season where they had an awful offense like last in the NFL and they're like, we'll bring back Jason Garrett for next year because we have a young quarterback. It's really important to keep the continuity. You have to make sure he doesn't have to learn a new system and I hate when NFL teams do that when they value the continuity of taking <laughs> of redoing this of being in the same system over just the idea that what, no, the system didn't work. It was broken we weren't calling the plays good. Like we What's, moving the ball.
1: What's the quote from the Joker in The Dark Knight? Everybody uh, everybody freaks out. No, nobody cares if the plan is insane as long as there's a plan, something like that. Yeah, the, the plan. Yeah, is that when he's in the bank? I don't I, Yeah. I don't, I'm bad
2: with movie quotes. This is an Azer thing. Azer, you should know this quote. I mean, you've been so. Like, you didn't know
0: Seinfeld during the mic check. That was, that was <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> uh, you, you didn't, know, uh, that you didn't know Dumb and Dumber. You never seen Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> never so, seen Dumb and Dumber. Uh, yeah. Well, we, 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 what the heck were we just talking about? Oh, <laughs> oh talking Frey- about. I think, I mean, I feel like if you're going to put Fryermuth's name in that discussion, I think Najoku has the outside chance yeah. as well, because he could be number two on the team and targets on a, uh, with a much better quarterback. Sure. But, um, all right. So, all right. So obviously a lot of guys could finish as tight end too. I've, I've said George Kittle was number two per game last year. And he's been, like I said, top three per game in five straight seasons. That's in PPR. That's amazing. Pitts, it's an upside projection. Hawkinson, it's a target thing. And, and he could score more touchdowns. I mean, there's no reason why a guy who had 129 targets last year and, you know, was on a team that threw like the third or fourth most passes in the NFL for only, for only about half the year, why he can't score more than six touchdowns, which he's never done. Um, you know, Waller. Yeah. (laughs) Goddard, I actually don't think it's possible for Goddard to be tight end too unless one of the guys, Smith or Brown, misses four or more games. I don't know how you guys feel about that.
2: You're right, because even if that's the scenario, the Eagles are still like fourth highest run rate in the NFL. So that's not going to change. They're a really good team running the football. So you're right. They they would need he would need an injury. That's why I don't put him in that mix. I don't really put Hawkinson in that mix either. Yeah, the team throws the football a lot, but. I just don't see any way that he's going to, unless an injury to Jordan Addison happens.
1: Right. Uh, Part of it is just the bar for being tight end two. Yes. Tends to be pretty low. Like last year, George Kittle was 13.5 points per game. So it's like, if you're telling me that the number two tight end is going to score 13.5 points per game, Yeah, I think there's like eight guys who could do that, but that's not super impressive, you know. Last
2: year, last year Travis Kelsey outscored the number two tight end in fantasy by 102 fantasy points. That's That's,
0: absurd. Yeah, Uh, it's it's insane. But you should not expect that to happen again. Yeah, probably not. It's it's a great it's a great talking point, but it's probably not going to happen again. But But like 60 points probably will happen. That's pretty reasonable. Yeah. I think I'm I mean I feel like pretty done with this conversation. I don't know if there's anything you guys. I I will say
1: the Pitts thing, the one thing that I find weird is Drake London going 18 picks ahead of Kyle Pitts in ADP. I just even if you like let's say Drake London's better. I don't really think there's a case for Drake London being a better NFL player. Basically, the entire case is that he was more productive on a per-game basis last season, but that's really skewed by the fact that he played in the four games where the Falcons looked like an offense from the 20th century rather than the 19th century. I don't think the 19th century had football, but you follow what I'm saying. Um, I think it may... uh, If you take the four games that Drank London played with Desmond Ritter, he averaged 41 yards per game. Kyle Pitts averaged 36. I just... I can't see taking Drake London ahead of Kyle Pitts if only because if you have to bet on someone in that offense, bet on the guy where if he scores 13.5 points per game, he might be the number two player in his position. If Drake London scores 13.5 points per game, he's like wide receiver 27. Yeah, it's such a good point you
0: make because what if Kyle Pitts had played the last four games with Dexter Ritter and no London, then maybe he would have put up those big numbers. Mm -hmm. But the only thing that I, I disagree with is I do think you have, you know, you just have to go by ADP. I don't think you should necessarily rank London higher than Pitts, but because you you if you want one of them, you have to take London later. you can't really wait on London. He's going well, that's, where he's going. That's
1: why I you'd rather I just think take I'd, Pitts. I'd rather just pass on London. Like if I'm going yeah. to take a make yeah. a bet on someone from that passing offense figuring it out, I, I think I'd rather just not take London. But, uh, I'm gonna have like 15 teams, so I'll probably have London on one of them just because there is potential there but i'm more likely to have pits on more of my teams than london i do think there was quite a bit of football played in the 19th century
0: the first rose bowl game was uh january 1st of 1902 and okay so yeah there were probably a handful of football games in the 19th century sure uh, the first American football match was played on November 6th, 1869. Oh, my God. Man, Arthur and- <laughs>
1: Smith is that old. <laughs> <laughs> Rutgers and Princeton. I did Rutgers. know Rutgers
0: was, was in the first game. I didn't know much else about it. Wow. All right, so listen, um, I am going to work on this Apple Podcast issue here. There I, there are only a few of them that I can actually read, so I will read them now. And I apologize because I always tell you that's a great way to have your question read, and I, and I mean that. Um. Here's a keeper question from C. Smith. Draft picks not affected. Can keep player as long as possible. It's half PPR. Who do I keep of these four? Jefferson, Henry, Adams, Olave, Etienne, and Mixon. I'm going to make Jefferson's one, so pick three of the next five and keep them forever. Henry, Adams, Olave, Etienne, Mixon. <sighs>
2: Uh, can you repeat
0: them again? It's not going to be Mixon, I think, but three Olave. out of five: Henry Adams, Olave, Etn, Mixon.
2: Olave. All right, Dan's keeping Olave. Adams and it,
1: is it just for twenty twenty three? No, no, keep no, forever. forever. Half mm-hmm. keep forever.
2: Right. Olave, Adams, and Henry for me. I don't care how old Henry is. I don't want Etn. I don't want Mixon.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I'd just go with Olave. ETN and Adams.
2: Most people throw ETN in there, not me. Yeah.
1: Well, when you do Adams and Henry,
0: that's kind of that's pretty old. Like I could see maybe keeping one of the old guys. One of the geezers. I'm um all right, this is the only other no, I can't even read this. I can't even read this because the stupid thing I'm sorry about that, people.
2: <laughs> it's just too long. It, 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 you know it, what this reminded me of? What have you ever seen the Bill O'Reilly bit with the prompt with the teleprompter that, that wasn't working? the show? <laughs> we'll do it live. We'll do it live. Can't read the stupid things.
0: Because that's tomorrow, and that's it for today. What does that mean? end the show <laughs> <laughs> he goes crazy uh yeah no it was somebody roasting me for my burnt burnt ends uh fantasy jeopardy
2: oh uh, man i've been hearing a lot of people wait right so here. what's what Steve hall was roasting the hell out you me. don't like burnt ends no, no i did a fantasy
0: like, jeopardy answer and it was
2: it made no sense Keith's
0: meat was the category and it was like mm. this uh this uh meat is named a- is named after like the way it's cooked and the location on the animal. And nobody agreed
1: with it that. Well, yeah, because it's not the location of the animal. Yeah, it's the ends of the cut of brisket.
0: Okay, well, it's still on the animal, right? I like, guess, like, it's on the end. Yeah, of, yeah. no.
2: It's the worst <laughs> question ever delivered in <laughs> Fantasy Jeopardy history.
1: It was an answer, not a question. <laughs> that is my favorite barbecue thing, by the way. Burnt oh, ends. So Incredible. John Brown Smokehouse in Queens. Brown, if you guys oh, want to yeah. meet up, that is my favorite barbecue spot in the city. You it's know about John so, Brown's? Oh, I've been to
2: John when Brown's. When I lived in Astoria by Ditmas, I went to John Brown's at one point, Chris. It was absolutely disgusting. My roommate made fun of me 3 times a week on min, at minimum. It's so it's so. Good. I would go to the gym and then go to John Brown's right really? after every time.
0: Isn't that so kind good. of defeating the purpose of
2: going to the gym? The total opposite. That's you why you, you go, go to John Brown's to 250 it. grams of protein after your workout, Adam. Learn about this stuff. I am invested in that. Swole,
1: Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: All right. Here's one question I'm going to read from Ross. Uh, he says, "I I just had my performance review at work. We okay. had to complete a self assessment and look at ways to improve. As a CBS podcast crew, I was wondering if there are any specific areas you are focusing on individually or collectively this season to improve on and hone your analyst power. Oh boy,
2: say believe it or not, question."
0: Believe it or not, I actually always try to talk less. It's really hard for me. (laughs) And I was maybe when I'm in my 50s, like 11 years from now, I'll be able to
2: master that. But I am trying. I have one that I need to try to do better on. And that is when you have a good point that pops in your mind, wait till the other person is finished speaking before you drop your point in. It's tough.
1: That is is tough to do. Yeah, yeah. It's that's that's for me. It's it's. Uh. Not interrupting is is my biggest. D- not problem. interrupting is yeah.
0: very difficult, Chris. You yeah. just did it. Dan. I know, I know. <laughs> it was a joke, Dad. Well, and especially
1: in like <laughs> this four, we're not in we're not in the same room. We're on slightly different delays in terms of like where our bro. It's David. A. It's hard. You know. Yeah. I don't know, but I think you guys are great. Thank you. I think you guys are great
0: too. too. I think I'm going to be more complimentary to the people I'm on the show with.
2: I also want to do a better job this year. This is more analyst based of utilizing the data that we have to at our disposal. I don't want to. I don't know if we're allowed to say it, but we have a really good data source here at CBS. Sports. Oh yeah, True Media. And I say it all. True time. Media. There yeah, it goes. Yeah. And. Uh, there are ways to maximize the usage of True Media that I don't know that Dave Richard does a great job of, and I, Jacob Gibbs does a great job of. I need to sit down. I'm gonna make the Jacob Gibbs spend a half hour. I already on video did this call. with you. I did
0: this with you last no, year, you
2: and you weren't yeah. even paying attention. <laughs> this is a lie. I always pay attention to Adam. Not one time have I not paid attention. To true Media is a game changer. But yeah, that's no, terrific.
1: that's I'm 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 using. I mentioned the the Dallas Goddard stat that was to get to get us back on the topic of fantasy football. Yeah, the the Goddard stat that I mentioned. He is 48th among tight ends and end zone targets over the past two Ooh. seasons. He is tied with, among others, Eric Tomlinson, Eric Sobert, Blake Jarwin, CJ Uzama, Noah Gray, and Chigakonquo.
0: Who so weird,
1: you know, we like, but yeah, that is he's got four red zone end zone targets over the past four or two seasons. Courtesy of our, our friends at True Media. Yeah. it's so, so easy to look that up just little filters great stuff yeah.
0: it's so funny it's like another thing I could do better at is shorter episodes but every time like, we just spent like probably five, five minutes just BSing which is fine <laughs> but thank you everybody for watching and listening we've got Beyond the Box score tomorrow we are back Monday because we work Monday um, and then Tuesday you'll hear Dynasty but if you're taking a long weekend or whatever have an amazing 4th of July USA and we'll talk to you tomorrow uh, on